Okay, so our next uh, set of disorders, um, <clears throat> uh, class of disorders from the DSM, uh, are covered in um, chapter 12 in your textbook. Uh, so this is the personality disorders. Uh, the personality disorders are a little bit different from some of the order, other disorders in some ways. Um, and um, uh, there are 10 personality disorder diagnoses, um, <clears throat> uh, which we'll go through uh, in, I think, the same order that the textbook does. Uh, I'm going to try to do that. Um, let's see. Uh, somebody asked me to uh, um, please let you know when I'm switching slides, if you're following along with my slides. So um, I guess I don't need to tell you too much about the title of the chapter. So let's go to slide number two um, in my slides, uh, personality disorders, to look at the personality disorders in general. Now, um, uh, essentially what we're talking about here is a disordered range of personality. That is, uh, when somebody's personality uh, involves some problematic kinds of uh, traits. And um, uh, so, of course, not all personalities are personality disorders. These are extreme in, um, in a similar way that we saw with a lot of other disorders. Uh, you know, that we have a normal range of anxiety and we have anxiety disorders. We have a normal range of sexual functioning and we have sexual disorders and stuff like that. Um, and so, um, so uh, personality is all about how a person behaves, but it's also about how they feel and think. So, um, so you might think of it as a person's uh, particular uh, characteristic pattern of thinking, behaving, and feeling or responding emotionally. Um, and um, for most folks, most folks who don't have personality disorders, uh, their personalities are essentially very flexible and they, um, they behave and think and respond differently at different times. Sure, there are some patterns, but, um, uh, but, um, but much more variety, variety or um, uh, adaptability uh, is more the rule. Uh, in the personality disorders, what we see is some degree of inflexibility of responding. So inflexibility with regard to personality, uh, I'm sorry, uh, with regard to um, behavior, ways of thinking and ways of feeling or responding uh, to the environment. Um, <clears throat> so the uh, personality disorders uh, are going to um, involve a lot of different kinds of symptoms um, that often become problematic for the individual person. Now, for a long time, the personality disorders were seen as mm, characterological in a sense. That is that they were uh, closely tied to a person's who they are, their identity, their character, their personality. And so they weren't, um, so these diagnoses weren't uh, seen as being um, amenable to change at all. Uh, and, um, and so there often weren't a lot of direct attempts to treat personality disorder symptoms. Um, the reason for their diagnosis at all is that, um, that, you know, people with personality disorders could have other kinds of diagnoses too. And, um, and if you're treating somebody with a personality disorder who also has major depression or who has bipolar disorder or something else, then you're going to want to know about the personality disorder. But, um, but it, um, uh, and so it was important to diagnose personality disorders. But up until, you know, maybe about 20 years ago or so, there wasn't much hope of changing personality disorder uh, symptoms in people. And so it was seen as something you have to know about a person to work with them uh, in therapy, but not necessarily that was something that was liable or likely to change.
That thinking has changed. Uh, the, um, the thinking on personality disorders is that while they are, uh, in a sense, difficult to change because they're, you know, long-term enduring patterns, they are able to change. People can change their ways of behaving, thinking, and responding uh, to the world. It takes some time. Um, uh, but it is possible. So when it comes right down to it, though, given that background, that it's only been fairly recently that we've been even looking at uh, the possibility of treating folks for personality disorders specifically. Um, in this chapter, when it comes down to talking about treatment interventions, and also when it, talk, when it comes to talking about um, etiology, I'm not going to have a whole lot to tell you um, because a lot of that research is fairly recent. So there's not there's not much of it. There's not as much of it um, <clears throat> uh, for a long time. Personality disorders were sort of just um, believed to develop in much the same way as other personality patterns in people that um, that essentially uh, what you're looking at is, um, you know, some combination of an inborn temperament uh, along with the uh, person's experiences in the world um, uh, shaping their personality, right? Um, kind of a general model of personality development. Um, and so, uh, so there wasn't a lot as far as uh, research studies looking at what leads to particular kind of personality disorder problems up until fairly recently. So I will have some stuff uh, on that to tell you, um, most particularly with two of the personality disorder diagnoses. Uh, there are two diagnoses here that, um, that I'll have a lot to tell you about with regard to what we know about etiology and treatment. Um, and so those two are um, antisocial personality disorder and borderline personality disorder. But for some of the others, it won't be quite as um, uh, quite as in depth or detailed. <clears throat> um, personality disorder symptoms uh, usually seem to emerge in adolescence or early adulthood and tend to be chronic and stable. Uh, we generally wouldn't diagnose somebody with a personality disorder until they are mm, toward the end or outside of their developmental period. So, um, uh, so personality disorder diagnoses. Um, will generally require that the person be over the age of 18 for diagnosis. Now, that's a little tricky. There are some, um, there are some uh, symptoms, particularly like for antisocial personality disorder, uh, that we have to show. They've been showing some kind of patterns for a long time before that, but we really wouldn't be looking at um, the diagnosis itself until the age of 18 or beyond. Personality disorders are disorders mostly because they're liable to lead to distress or impairment. Um, now, uh, one of the um, things about personality disorders, though, is that um, a person with a personality disorder is often not going to identify it as the, the problem is with their personality, with their typical ways of behaving, um, uh, thinking, or uh, responding emotionally. A person with a personality disorder is much more likely to attribute difficulties in their life to other kinds of things. Uh, and um, uh, and so it's going to be difficult for them to see the pattern overall of, yes, this is because of my typical ways of responding. Uh, so the distress or impairment is often um, uh, going to be attributed by the person themselves to, um, to work stress or relationship stress or having particular specific problems in particular kind of situations. Um, but then sometimes when you get to talking with the person, you realize that, wait a minute, this isn't just a problem in the work in the work situation, it's also a problem in other relationships, or it's been a problem in the past. And so you can start to kind of pull together that pattern.
Another way of sort of saying this, uh, if I switch to slide number three, <laughs> is that um, personality disorders are egosyntonic uh, rather than egodystonic. Um, I believe uh, I believe I've introduced these terms to you before, uh, but just to remind you, uh, they're old terms, um, but they're useful uh, in that. Um, Egosyntonic means that um, the uh, symptoms of a personality disorder are essentially seen by the person with the personality disorder as being just who they are, just a part of them. Um, they were, they're going to tend to think of it like, what do you mean there's a problem? This is just the way I am. Uh, on the other hand, many of the other diagnoses that we've covered in the semester and will continue to cover, um, many of the others are, uh, the symptoms are egodystonic, where a person identifies those symptoms as not the way that they typically are or not me. So when a person has um, obsessive compulsive disorder or, um, uh, or depression or something like that, they're liable to say, why am I like this? I don't want to be like this. This isn't how I'm supposed to be in a sense whereas with personality disorders um so so many other diagnoses are seen as egodystonic whereas for personality disorders people tend to see it as kind of part of themselves um uh we had talked early on in the semester when we looked at um classification systems and the current classification system that we use the dsm-5 of uh, some of the difference between categorical and dimensional models of classification um, and uh, the personality disorders are a class of disorders that the DSM actually includes two complete separate models of personality disorders, a categorical one and a dimensional one. Uh, it seems that what they did in um, trying to revise the personality disorder diagnoses for DSM-5 is that um, they tried to completely scrap the categorical model and start with a completely dimensional model of personality disorders. And, um, and the task force that was working on this was publishing some of their work as they were doing it. Uh, this was based on a lot of research in um, personality and personality disorders. And what they were trying to identify was, um, was core traits and mixes of core traits and things like that that would lead to particular personality disorder diagnoses. Uh, they came up with a, um, a rather elegant, I think, uh, uh, dimensional model of personality disorders. Um, and uh, I'll probably be able to describe that to you towards the end of this chapter, because at the last minute, what happened was the authors of the DSM-5 decided that this elegant dimensional model was a little bit too big and complex, and it was way too different from what we had been previously using. So they were afraid, I think, that, um, that clinicians wouldn't um, uh, take the time to use this dimensional model um, because it's a bit cumbersome in a sense. It probably does reflect reality better, uh, but it's a bit cumbersome. And um, so what they did was they essentially uh, relegated the dimensional model to an appendix at the end of the DSM uh, and uh, took the categorical model that was previously in the DSM for personality disorders and pretty much just copied that over for the DSM-5. There are some very small changes, but um, uh, but for the most part, it's this, the exact same categorical model that we've had before. My sense is, is, is that uh, in putting the dimensional model uh, as an appendix um, in the DSM-5, they're essentially just giving uh, clinicians more time to get used to the idea uh, and to actually practice and use that dimensional model. Uh, and I strongly suspect that that will be the model that will be used in the future in the DSM. Um, but for now, they sort of went back to the categorical model, which is a little bit weird.
because a lot of the research uh, in personality disorders over the past 20 years um, has called into question some of the things regarding that person, that uh, categorical model. However, I'm going to teach you according to that categorical model because that is the current diagnostic system. That's what's currently active in the United States uh, for diagnosis in, under DSM-5. Uh, I will point out um, places where this, this um, diagnostic system is a little bit outdated um, and uh, hope to be able to spend some time toward the end of this chapter telling you more about the dimensional model. Because if you are going to be going into anything related to uh, mental illness, mental health, uh, diagnosis, psychiatry, psychology, psychiatric nursing, anything like that, um, then you'll probably see this dimensional model um, uh, take hold in the future, right? So I'd like to um, introduce, besides, I spent a whole lot of time learning it, <laughs> so might as well tell you something about it. Okay, if I slip to switch to slide number four, um, here's one of the first things that, um, that I'm surprised is still in the uh, diagnostic system. But again, I think it's because they just copied over the uh, diagnostic system from the previous DSM, the DSM-4. Um, <clears throat> uh, in the DSM-4 and for, oh, I lose track, but a few revisions of the DSM prior to that, um, they tried to group the the 10 personality disorder diagnoses into clusters. Try to look at essentially uh, similar surface features and put them into um, groups according to some of those uh, features. Uh, it was never the intention to say that these were necessarily related to one another uh, and um, uh, the diagnoses were necessarily related to one another, like cluster A's are all related some way. It doesn't, and that, um, and the research doesn't seem to have upheld that idea either. Uh, they don't, those diagnoses don't seem to be particularly related to one another um, in any way. And honestly, the clusters themselves and the names of the clusters are uh, a bit artificial. Um, they're really reaching, in a sense, to try to um, uh, pull together some similarities in um, uh, in the uh, di in the uh, di different diagnoses. It may just be an attempt to make the uh, ten diagnoses break them down into more um, uh, you know more manageable chunks, uh, but um, but it's a bit artificial. So you know, I will um, I will be using that um, that way of classifying it because that is what's in the DSM now. Uh, I'm just really surprised that it's still there because the research doesn't really support it. So, um, so essentially what we've got is three clusters of personality disorders, uh, cluster A personality disorders. There are three of those. Um, and the general theme is that they have odd or eccentric behavior. Uh, cluster B, there are four cluster B diagnoses, and those are generally um, described as dramatic, emotional, or erratic behavior. Uh, that cluster is going to include the two diagnoses that I'll have the most to tell you about, antisocial personality disorder and borderline personality disorder. And then cluster C includes uh, a group of disorders that, you know, generally if we had to describe them together, we could say that there was something about fearful or anxious behavior. Uh, so those are kind of the common threads, even though they're rather loose common threads. But um, <clears throat> let's see, uh, I think I'll stop there and then make the next podcast on the three cluster A personality disorders.